what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. All right, hello, and welcome to another episode of I Guess I'll Do It with Pet House, where I talk to comedians about what got them into stand-up and that very first time they tried it. And their I Guess I'll Do It moment where they, uh, I don't know, fucking decided to try it. That's all. Comedy podcast. Today, I have a buddy I've known for 17 years. Uh, we go way back to the Laugh House days. Today, I have Mike Vecchione. What's up, dude? Thank you for having me, Pat. And uh, I have to say that uh, I guess I'll do it. I thought that that was people's response to the being asked to do the podcast. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, it's a, it, it's, it's a two-way street. A double meaning? Yeah, uh-huh. it's a double, double entendre. So how you okay. been, man? What's going on? I'm doing good, man. I just figured out how to work a Zoom light and have a background that's not humiliating. And it took me the pandemic to do it. But now that we're out of the pandemic, I figured it out. So now... I have uh, a nice, clear background and a ring light. So nice. Well, you look I'm, fantastic. Uh, I'm not bragging, but uh, things are going well that way, production-wise. So I think you're the first New York comic I've talked to in a long time. What's uh, comedy like in New York now? Why do you hate us? What have you got against us? Uh, a lot of things. Go actually, to the Midwest or the West Coast or something, and you got you got beef with us. <laughs> what's uh, what's comedy like in New York right now? Well, I, I like to start, um, Pat, I don't know, we're trying to get podcast uh, numbers up, so I find confrontation works well. Okay. That's oh, why good. I, All right, let's make this I, a very hostile. Sometimes I'm going to come at you with answers, and, um, you know, confrontation sells. Make this a very hostile interview. Hostile. <laughs> I like it. Um, it's In New York, it's, it's coming back, you know, I guess like every other city, it's just opening up. It's gradual, but it's happening and it, it, it feels good. It really does. It actually feels good. So awesome. The restrictions are being lifted uh, slowly. I think at the end of this month, uh, I'm predicting my call is I'm putting all my money on. It'll be completely open. Nice. Very so, cool. Crowds are coming out. People want to come out. Yeah, people are coming out. Crowds are out. Uh, you know, people are vaccinated. So I think it's going to be all good. I think it's going to be a huge, you know, I think the clubs are, I've already seen them. They're already filling up. But awesome. once every restriction gets dropped, it, they're going to be packed. Awesome, dude. You and I go way back, man. Um, I wanted to tell this story first because uh, I saw you at the Laugh House and we did Rascals together a couple of times. Yes. Were you the last comic to headline Rascals in Cherry Hill? Was that the last weekend? I don't know. I don't think so. Because it was tor- I, it was I, definitely towards the very end because you did something. And I, I, I mentioned this story on the podcast before. Um, I think I, ho- I hosted four shows and I think I got like twenty dollars or something crazy. The club had no money. The club was closing. So I hosted. And then you asked if the club paid me. And I said, yeah. And you asked how much. And I was like, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. I just wanted to do the shows with you and do the show. And then you gave me 40 bucks. And I never forgot wow. that, man. Because I was brand new to comedy. I was brand new to right. hosting, but you and I were like talking shop and shooting the shit. And then you paid me. Like you just threw me like a tip, I guess you could say. And I never forgot that. That meant uh, that, that meant a lot, dude. That's really cool. That's really cool. Uh yeah, we don't think about these things like uh, you know, when we're you know, to be kind to each other. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. don't sometimes we just do things, we don't think about them. But like um, yeah, that's the way it should be, man. We need to take care of each other because you know, this business, I mean, you should do it anyway, just because it's the right thing to do to a, to be uh, kind to another human being. But also business, even business wise, it's smart because it's like, you know, you don't ever know where people are going to end up. You're hosting for me one day. You have your own show the next day. Like, it's like, yeah, you don't know where people are going to end up. So but intrinsically, you should be doing it just because you're a good person. But even if you're from a shrewd business sense, it. It, it it's it makes sense to do it uh, be, just because you don't know where the chips are going to fall. But when you like when you're brand new and like somebody just does a kind gesture like that, you you never forget it. You know, uh, so I always try cool. to keep that kind of stuff in, in mind. Um, you and I'm trying to think last time I saw you, I think we were doing Cleveland together. Cleveland, hilarity. Yeah. It was a Sunday Great show. Time. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I, I love that club a lot. You and I met at the Laugh House. I remember that because uh, not too many white guys flying around the Laugh House right. when, when I started. And then I saw you and Joe DeRosa murder both of you killed yeah. and i was like who the fuck are these guys yeah we were on our way out like uh Did joe that- was like eight months before me eight or nine months to new york living with big J, and we were both on our way out but yeah we were pretty we had been there for years though we had, i know i'd been there for like three and a half before i left so um yeah that's pretty cool because you were just coming in and we were just i mean joe had already left i think i was leaving yeah, so, yeah. Um, everybody but, uh, was gone yeah, but it made that that room was really a good room, and it's heyday. Like Wednesdays were really good, and the Thursdays were it's a different crowd, but it was also very good. And uh, that was the only thing going on at the club. I I know the Northeast had the comedy cabaret, and I never yep. really went up there, but I think those guys were just performing for themselves. Like I don't know how much of a crowd they got in, like uh, you know. And uh, but the Laugh House would get crowds, like good crowds, and they, they would. Were, Sometimes tough, very tough, but it made you better. Man, I took a lot of beatings in that room, but I also learned a lot. Yeah. Was was that the place where you did your first set? No, I took a a comedy class like in um, 96 um, with Paul Solari. Paul Solari. Yeah, so I took a comedy class and then I just never did it. Like I, I just did it once and then never did it again. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I don't have the wherewithal to go out and pursue this. I just did one class and I was like, oh, this is cool. This was a fun experience. And then that was it. But then I went through a huge life change in 2000. And and that's when I started going to the Laugh House. I started just going every week to the Laugh House. And that's really my start date of comedy, I, I would say. Okay. October, October of 2000, because that's when I started doing open mics once a week. Okay, that's I was October two thousand four. Okay, so I was a little bit behind you, but I I hit the ground running. I did an open mic there Wednesday. First set went very well, and I am then and then now I'm here and have not stopped since right. that since that first fucking that very that's first time. Great. That's great. No, I started in two thousand and, and and just going every week, and uh, I would fail miserably a lot of times, but I was like, nah, this is this feels right. You know, there's something feels right about this, like. Failure isn't the end of the world. I'll pick it up and and figure out what I did wrong and come back and try next week. You know, yeah. I just looked at it that way. So that makes things easier. You know, I mean, it still hurts the bomb, but uh, oh god, yeah, you really hurts. But but if you just keep it in perspective and go, oh, there's always next week. I can come back and figure it out. You know, or you know, maybe I can grow from this. Who else was around then? Like, who was part of your crew? Was were were Joe DeRosa Metzger? And Jay around, or were they already gone? No, Jay and Metzger, I I met after they were already in New York. Okay. Like, I didn't meet them until after they were in New York. So, Jay was, I met Jay because he was coming back to feature on the weekends. So, that's how I initially met Jay. And, uh, and, uh, but I didn't know those guys really. I mean, I met, I had met them before I moved, but I didn't really get to know them until I moved. So, um, but they were already, uh, Jay, Kurt, Kevin Hart, those guys were already, I mean, Kevin Hart, I think was already in LA by the time I moved to New York. So. Oh, okay. But uh, Jay and Kurt were already up here. So they weren't really part of the Laugh House scene. It was me and Joe. And then Joe left. And then it was just me. And uh, I, I forget who, um, Matt Bellis. Do you know Matt Bellis? I know, he, I know, I know that he, name. He's Joe Matarese's cousin. He was going a lot. Uh, and um, I'm I'm trying to think of the other guys. Oh, uh, Sean Clay. Do you remember Sean? Oh, dude, Sean Clay is so funny. Yep, I love him. Love them. Sean Clay was really funny. Uh, uh, Derek Gaines. Derek Gaines. Yeah. Derek started like after maybe around the time you started. He's about a year ahead of me. I think we, he and I actually talked about that. He started like pretty much exactly one year ahead of me, but we were essentially right. like in the same class. We, you know all we came up together we were at the laugh house every single wednesday and thursday right i mean it was it was, we had a solid group malcolm remember malcolm yeah. um uh and Ture, like i have to say what ran when i was there ran the thursdays and i i told the i've told him this to his i haven't seen him in a long time i'm gonna see him tonight he was very very like such a good like 
fair guy. Like if you did good on Wednesday, he would just like bring you. He's like, do Thursday. I'll schedule you for a Thursday. He was like, he didn't play that thing where it's like he just hooked his friends up, which yeah. would have been very easy to do. And he probably would have made a lot of gains that way in like that local. I mean, he was already on top of that scene. So I don't know how many gains he could have made, but he could have, you know, done favors for guys and hooked people up. And for, but he didn't do it that way. He really did it on a, um, uh, if I see you in here and you're working and you're improving, then I'll put you up on Thursdays. And I thought that was just a, a, a great way to be. So, you know, yeah, he's such a good dude, man. I'm going to yeah. see him tonight. And, um, I had him on in an episode and it was one of the best ones just because we had such a great connection. But he was the first person to ask me to host his uh, birthday weekend. He would headline the Laugh House every June on, on, on his birthday week or weekend. And I'll never forget when he asked me, he's like, you want to host for me all weekend? And it meant the world to me because I respected yeah. him so much. Yeah. And then he was showing me the love and, you know, putting money in my pocket, getting me shows. And then he had me host again the following year. Like, again, that shit you don't forget. Yeah, you don't forget it. And uh, yeah, because he probably saw you working hard in the clubs and it didn't matter that you weren't, you know, boys or whatever. He just saw you working. He saw you mm -hmm. growing. And, um, you know, that's the way it should be. You know, at the end, I had a Laugh House date right before it closed. And uh, I was kind of hoping that he uh, bought the club or took it over or mm -hmm. something. You know? And I was kind of hoping that like he would do that. But I, I wasn't sure, you know. I hadn't seen him in a while, so I wasn't sure, but I was like, that would be great if he took it over, you know, because then he, he knows like he would do the right thing with the club, I believe. Oh, absolutely. What I'm year, what sure year was that? What he wanted to do with his, you know, he's a talented guy. He could do whatever he wanted. But if he wanted to do that, I think he would uh, he would run that club and it would be wildly successful just because he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he would stack it with good people. What year did yeah. Lifehouse close? I don't even remember what what year it was. Seven or eight? Yeah, maybe. maybe around there. Because, I mean, I, I was definitely a regular there for a couple of years. So, you know, right. I built up a rapport with, with them. But I learned, took a lot of beatings in that. Is that where you performed the most? Like, Yeah, I, yeah. Most, I was religious about it. I'd go there on Wednesdays. And if I got shows on Thursdays and then they hosted me, you know, um, and then they they featured me a little bit, and uh, I was grateful for that. And then, um, so yeah, they worked me. And then once I started featuring and and was like the top of the doing very well in the open mic and on mm -hmm. the Thursdays, I was doing very well. So it was like, oh, you know, the advice that I got was don't stay there. Too, you know, just don't not just there, but don't stay in your hometown too long. Like move, you got to move. Like move to New York, get your little. Once you start featuring at the clubs and you're at the top of your like the open mic uh you know lineup just get out you know and start it's time to move to another environment a bigger environment and develop somewhere else develop in new york yeah. or else, basically was the advice yeah that's what i was always told and i did the new york scene for in 2011 but didn't really uh i didn't do it well i came back to philly a lot <laughs> For, right, right. for paid work and real shows like because it was such a weird yeah. dichotomy because i would be featuring at helium heliums multiple clubs like you know on the weekends then come back to like an open mic and not even get on with surrounded by people who aren't even working comics uh, it was very i don't know i did, didn't have a good year up there in new york yeah, yeah it was really i very tough at first because it's just like you, no one knows you so that's why that's why the advice is don't wait till you're 10 years in because that's a harder hit to take. You know, wait till you're, I was like three and a half years in okay. like, like that. And then you're, you know, but you don't want to be a headlining guy and then come to New York because it's like you have no one I, at that time, like technology and everything has changed. But at that time, no one knew you and no one cared. And it's like you would have to start at the bottom again, essentially. So if you're three years in, starting at the bottom isn't as bad as if you're 10 years in. Yeah headliner you know and now at 17 years in i'm not going anywhere <laughs> yeah well i mean the landscape has changed too so it's like a lot of you know podcasting and um you know sites digital youtube yeah. all this stuff changed everything so you can emerge another way but at that time there was no other way to emerge except through the clubs and through the through the scene so you moved up after three and a half years here you said three and a half yeah, okay like, my life, my life circumstances kind of like all 
coincided with me to make a move. You know, I wasn't yeah. happy with my job. Um, I was single. I was living by myself. It's like, oh, if I'm, you know, I remember Joe DeRosa actually came back and we were talking. He's like, what are you doing? I, we had just like done the open mic. I killed. He's like, what are you doing still here? What What are you doing? Move, dude, move. And I was like going through the logistics. Oh, I could find an, I don't know if I could find an apartment up there. I don't know where to go. He's like, that stuff will all work itself out. Make the decision to move. And then once you do that, it'll, the rest of it is all logistics. And it's true. It's, he was really right on that. You know, he was really right. How was that adjustment? Was it, were you getting on stage all the time? Was it like shitty shows or were you trying to wheeze your way into the clubs? How did you I was trying to get in the First of all, I was trying to get in the clubs. I was trying to get in the clubs, but I, you know, it's very hard. It was very hard to get in the clubs at the time. And, uh, and the Boston comedy club was still going on. It was in the last legs, the last years of the Boston comedy club. And what was good about the Boston Comedy Club is that the comics would run the shows during the week. Mm -hmm. They were pro shows on the weekends uh, by the booker. But uh, during the week, the comics would run the show. So they would put on who they wanted to put on. So I started hanging out there. And, um, and, and then I would just do any room I could do. I would do mics. I would do music mics. I would do. But there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of these rooms around outside of the clubs that wasn't yeah. a thing back then there were maybe it was like the village lantern was going i remember that places like that but but there were like there's a massive amount of rooms out there now you, you you don't even need to work the clubs now you could just come emerge from these rooms there's so many of them but at the time there wasn't there wasn't that many rooms so you had to do what you could at the open mics music mics or whatever and then just hang out at the clubs until you could get on so that's what I did. And I, I hung out at the Boston Comedy Club and you meet a lot of people that way. And you see, you know, I, I had never been in the New York scene. So you you sit back on the weekends and you go and you watch these guys. You know, you watch how they perform and how they are. And that's like, oh, that's where I want to be. You know, that was the goal back then. That was my favorite part about being up there was was the hanging out at the club. I would hang at the cellar almost every single night. Right. Like I would hang at a shitty bar show or two or try to do a mic and go hang at the cellar. And that was always my favorite part. That's what I would do, too. I would do a mic or a lower level room to work out new material. Then I would try to get on at the clubs. And if I got on, great. That's an extra spot. And if I didn't, it was whatever. It was fine. And then I would go to the cellar and I would hang out because the cellar was the ultimate goal at the time. It's like, oh, this oh. is where all the killers are. This is where all the best people are. And oh, I my God. Just sitting in that room was just me watching like just the the lineups are just insane i used yeah. to like look at the lineups every single day and then well i would hang out there it's just incredible to just see so many of your heroes just in one spot and then watch right. them go up one after one and murder 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 and do it differently with different styles the way they did is just like oh, i was it was an education man it really oh, was man well i yeah. mean to this day i still think atel is the best education there were so many nights where i would see him do like three nights in a row, just do a different 20, just throw shit to the wind. And it was incredible because I'm still a chicken like that. Like, I'm not going to throw out a new 20 every single night. And he was just throwing ideas to the breeze. Yeah, his new 20 is like his. I always say this. His throwaway stuff is better than the best stuff any of us have. Mm -hmm. Pretty crazy. He he was yeah. good to you, right? Didn't he give you very some? Good to me. Yeah. I mean, very good to me. To this day, he's like very good to me, and very. It's brought me into several projects that he's uh, worked on, and um, you know, I talk to him, run jokes. Like he's just a, a great person. Yeah, he's a great person, and I, I, you know, I love like hanging out with him. You know what I mean? I really forget the you know that he's a great, he's a master at the, at this craft and all that, but uh, just a. Uh, just makes me laugh. I mean, just to hang out with him is is really really great. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while, but every I've worked with him a million times, and it's always just just the little shit, the little asides he says in the green room yes. are fucking incredible zingers. Yes. And 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 it and they're they're like just for you, they're not not for anybody else's. Yeah. Just. Yeah, he's uh, he's fantastic, man. He, he's the guy. He is really the guy here, and uh, everybody knows it. Everybody comes down in the room and watches him and. And uh, we all know it, man. Oh, dude, 
I got I got to get him on. Oh yeah. I don't even yeah. know if, if he would, but I could certainly certainly yeah. try. Yeah. Um you and I were in the same new face. You've been to Montreal a couple times, right? Yes. You and I were in the same new faces audition at the comic strip. I'm trying to forget what year that was as well, but it was me, you, Adrian Appalucci, Josh Gondelman, Colin Jost. It was a fucking crazy lineup. Wow. I um I just remember it was must have been 2010 because that's okay. when I knew faces 2010. But um I was in the clubs. I had been doing comedy for 10 years by the time I did New Faces. So New Faces, I thought, was supposed to be like a, a year, two or three years in. At least that's what I thought at the time. Mm-hmm. But it took me 10 years. It took me three tries to get it. And at the after that comic strip set, because I already work in the clubs at that point, you know. And um, after that comic strip set, I was like, okay, if I don't get it now, then I probably won't get it. But that's, you know, at least I had a good, I did a good uh, representation of myself. So if mm-hmm. they no then it's got nothing to do with me really it's got to do with maybe you know other factors you know they're looking for a certain type they're looking for this looking for that so i understood it but after that said i was like okay this this is this is it this is good and then i ended up getting it so did you get it then i did not i was like i'm not gonna say (laughs) the, the king of callbacks but like I've auditioned for them so many times, got the callback, never got it. Then that happened like three or four years in a row, and then I just stopped. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it got. No, I understand. Yeah, I mean Jeff Singer's a great dude. I don't have any beef with him, but I was just yeah. tired of getting like I don't know, like three or four years of callbacks in a row and still not getting it. Like, what else do you want? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I said it's not a referendum on your ta- like we take it so personal, but yeah. it really is not a referendum on your talents. Like. They're looking for different types. They're looking for different things. They're not necessarily looking for the strongest. I always like thought it was like, oh, they're looking for the strongest jokes. It's like that's not necessarily. And clearly, when I went up there and saw what what it was, that's not what they were looking for. They were looking for characters and different types and original, like, like like a yeah, originality, different kind of things that we we're straight purists. Yes. So oh, the, yes. We think they're looking for the straight, the the best stand-up comedy set and it's like that's not necessarily true they're looking for different things what so take me back to uh before you started when did you decide that you were going to try comedy were you a a stand-up fan growing up or yeah i really liked it i was i was working at glenn mills in philadelphia area and i would i would watch comedy central have lounge lizards and they would comedy remix they would do the half hours like the whole like i would work at night i would work the four to twelve shift so I'd wake up and uh, my girlfriend at the time was uh, went to law school. So she would leave during I would just be me uh, during the day before work. And uh, I would watch all of those shows like uh, the half hour premium blend. Love them. Love them. And I would watch comedy remix. Comedy remix was kind of cool because it was like it was like the same version. It was one topic and then they would do a bunch of different takes on the topic. Mm hmm. And it was like all comics that we would I would later meet, you know, Todd Barry, Lori Kilmartin, like they were all on those shows. You know, Nick DiPaolo, those guys yep. were all on those shows then. And um so I would, you know, it was pretty cool. If if I look back at it now and thinking about it, it's like I saw them all at that point in my life before I was doing stand up, and now I you know, I've met all of them, obviously, in my career. Yeah, it's bizarre when um, I mean, I was obsessed with Comedy Central Presents and like Premium Blend. And it's weird that, you know, I have a million friends like you that um, I would I would watch them. And like you get to know these people like it's so it's still bizarre to me. I'm a huge Brian Regan fan. And I was right. in Vegas right before COVID last year in Brian Regan's limo. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's still like I'm still like a starstruck kid in certain situations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, because these guys have been, I mean, as long as you've been doing it, as long as I've been doing it, these people have been doing it longer and have even, they've even seen more of a change in the, in the, in the business and the industry and how it's done and the the ups and the downs of it. It's like, they've lived it. So, yeah. And it's just like, something you said for that. I mean, I mean, it's great if you get famous off YouTube, but the depth of experiences that these people have had is really, um, you know. I, I like that the depths of the depths of experience. I like that that because it's totally yeah. true. They've seen it all. They've done it all. They're, they right. they've gone from open mics to headlining theaters. 
And there's still just I still love having those conversations and hearing about people's whole entire career trajectory with that kind of stuff. Yeah, the trajectory and the ups and the downs of it, like there's downs of it, too, where it's like, oh, they, I'm sure there was times that they they were they were flying high and doing great and whatever, like turning down deals and stuff. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then I'm sure there was times where they couldn't find work or the you know, the business took a turn or their style yeah. of comedy was not the in thing. And it's like, you know, it makes you question yourself. It's like, oh, is am I worse comics? Like, no, they're looking for something else. You know what I mean? But it's hard to have that kind of perspective in the moment. Yeah, I love a good horror story, too. Like when I talk to these people who have like headline theaters and stuff like I want to hear about a bad night. Like there's 4000 people coming to see you and it's just it's not a good crowd or they're yeah. chatty. Like I love I love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I went to your taping, actually. Your first. Do you have two for Comedy Central or just just the one? I did a pre. I did not premium blame. I did live at Gotham. Okay. In- 2008 and then i did um a half hour yep i went to your half hour it was you uh i took like the mega bus or bolt bus up watched you and then came right back who else was was at your taping i taped with uh i taped with um i'm totally blanking um fuck yeah i'm guy in a while but the the guy i taped with i i used to see him occasionally he's an la guy moved to new york I can't think of his name right now. Was Shit. it Brian Scalero? No. That was with Joe DeRosa then. But um, I do remember that us two were on the early show. And uh, I remember this is how consumed I was with. Uh, it's a Comedy Central half hour. It's my first special that mm-hmm. I'm taping. I asked Comedy Central if I could tape as early as possible because I wanted to work the weekend somewhere. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I want to go work the weekend over here. So it's like, instead of like, instead of, you know, probably the best thing I could have requested, and I don't know if I would have got it or not, was like Saturday night early show or Saturday night late show. It's like, where you want to tape your half? I was like, no, can I do a Thursday so <laughs> that I can work in this room in, uh, you know, where the Midwest? It's like, I just wanted to like work. So. In retrospect, that probably wasn't the best move. But the people who the two guys who taped late were Kyle Kinane and Tom Segura. That's right. Jesus yeah. Christ. How, I can't believe yeah. I forgot that because yeah. I've for years, years, Segura was great to me. He still yeah. is. I haven't seen him much the past year, obviously. Right. I can't believe I forgot that because Tom really uh, has been very, very good to me. Yeah, those guys are uh, great. Man. He was the first comic to like really bring me on the road. Road, like I did yeah. helium. Be- is like Tom's a huge. Yeah, the last show we—I mean, he's doing bigger theater now. The last show we did was a uh, forty-five hundred seater in Hollywood, Florida. Yeah, we did the big room yeah. at, at the Hard Rock. That's I did. A, I did. This is years ago. I did a show in um, uh, Calgary. I think it was Canada. And Tom was on the town's picture was like for the next week or something. I was like, does Tom sell it out? He goes, oh, yeah, in way in advance. Like he sells it out way in advance. Like he has to add shows. It's like he he's really like a huge draw and and has been for I mean, his podcast is. Yo, yeah, he can't even do a club anymore. Probably it's all theaters now. But back then he would do. I guess he would do clubs, but he would just sell them. They would have to add shows, you know, back then that was before he. I think before he had a podcast. Yeah. Wow. Now do, did Netflix before anybody, I think. I mean, Tom was one of the first guys. That yes. Did Netflix. Yeah. Do you still enjoy the road? I do. I, I would. Um, it, it, there's situations you walk into where it's like, if, if, you know, like the hilarities in Cleveland, that was just was a dream, man. Yeah. Was, I also love that hotel. Like I, hotel I was great. My no. family is close by. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, um, but that room is just, that room is fantastic, and the crowds are just great. And There's, Nick is one of the nicest owners in comedy. Yeah, it really he is. He is such there, a great dude. The food there is through the roof, man. It's dude. just unbelievable. It stakes every night. My cholesterol was like, jumped. Dude, I was opening for Sebastian in Cleveland at the theater a couple blocks over, and Nick himself walked down with menus and said, I'll keep the kitchen open if you guys want food later. Like, he walked down. It was incredible, incredible. Wow. Brought menus with them. That, yeah. What other clubs are, are some of your favorites on the road? That is great. Um, the House of Comedy people are very good to me. You know, the Minnesota, Arizona, Rick Bronson, mm-hmm. Amy are great to me. So 
I love those rooms. Those are very cool. Um, I'm trying to think what other rooms on the road, but it's like, my point is that situations, um, uh, oh, uh, the Madison, the club in Madison is very good. Uh, I've heard, I haven't been to that one, but I I've heard a lot of comics talk about that one. Yeah. It's a very good one. So it's good. The, the common denominator with all the road clubs is one, they do things the right way. There's a certain way to do things mm-hmm. and all the top, the A clubs do things the right way. And, uh, and uh, the crowds are mostly comedy fans, you know, in the absence of having your own following. Yeah. You want comedy fans. So when you, you know, and we can all feel it when you're on stage, you're like, Oh, this is a, you know, good crowd. Uh, or it's like, Oh, these people are comedy. I can tell these people are comedy fans. Like, oh yeah, because I, I feel it when I'm on set, whether I'm in the city or on the road. I can feel. Oh, there's a lot of comedy fans here. Mm-hmm. You can tell. There's a there's yeah. a di- different air about it. Right. Um. So when did you decide? So you're watching Comedy Central. What was the moment where you're like, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot? Um. I think my girlfriend at the time got me the class. Like got me the class okay do the class so i did the class and the class was good it was good and it was it was benefit you know i i wrote five minutes you wrote you write five minutes you practice five minutes and then you do five minutes but at the end of that at the end of it i just was kind of like okay i guess this was a cool experience but my life was not set up my life situation was not set up to pursue it at that time i was like trying to get a teaching job. I was working with kids. I was like, oh no, this isn't how the trajectory of my life is going to go. I can't actually do this seriously and make money. I'm just going to, um, you know, I did it that one time. It was cool. And now I'm just going to keep working or whatever. But when I started doing it once a week, my life circumstances had changed to the point where it was like, uh, I'm just going to, I didn't know if there's a future in it, but I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep doing it. I set that I set that intention. So I just kept doing it. And, and I, and even at the beginning, I was like, oh, there's no way I'm good enough to ever do this. But this is helping my public speaking. I'm in education. Maybe this will help. Maybe I can use humor and education and it'll benefit me somehow. It's a good practice, whatever, for, for whatever reason, for how, however I'm going to use it in the future. But then after about three years or so, I started getting consistent and good. And then I started thinking, why couldn't I do this? My life situation dictated it to her. Now, if I would have had a wife and kids, like, I don't know if I would have had the guts to, like, do that, to, to, to make that jump. Because mm-hmm. I would, you know what I mean? Like, you're not living for yourself anymore. Yeah. But my life circumstances dictated that I did. I could have taken more of a risk. So I decided to, once I realized, oh, you're getting better at this and you can cultivate this and you can get better and you can improve. And, and it's like, oh, uh, my life circumstances you know, dictate the fact that I can take this risk. So I, it was a, it was a combination of things I would say. I, and I would say for all comics, it's a, it's your life circumstances versus, you know, the progress you're making, you know, in the field. So I love, uh, finding out, you know, why people got in, get into it and all that stuff in the, the early days and shit like that, which we talked about. Do you have a, uh, you have a good, um, horror story in your back pocket? Is there any show, any one particular show that's still uh, you get the heebie-jeebies oh, when you think about it? Uh, yeah, I, I did one recently. I did one during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did one during the pandemic. It was for um, it was for guys who worked and owned. Um, it was in was it in Staten? It was in Staten Island, I think. I can't remember. No, it was in New Jersey, but. The guys had, um, no, I'm sorry. It was in Staten Island. One of those, I think Staten Island. It's all the same shit. But it was Italians and it, but it was guys who owned, uh, cement companies, sanitation companies, um, their, their companies. It was, it was a group of them, a group of, uh, guys who owned these companies, Italians Mm -hmm. and, uh, mob like, uh, related businesses i don't know if they were in the mob i don't i i don't know but they were they're very mob related businesses so um the the kid who brought me out his family owned one of the businesses so he brought me out and uh he he gave me a ride and uh we're talking and i go i you know i bombed 
in front of Italians, the worst that I have ever bombed before. Like <laughs> there's a certain type of Italian that I bomb in front of that's worse. That's worse than I've ever bombed anywhere in front of any other kind of crowd. And it's these kind of like wise guy type Italians that I really bomb in front of because they just don't give anything. And they kind of look, they kind of don't understand what like it's, they understand what's happening. It's just that they don't want to give anything as far as laughter goes or enjoy themselves or anything like that. So how much time did you have to do? I'm telling them this on the way there. And then I get there and I see that there's no women. It's all just these guys and their sons in this ballroom. And um, I'm like, oh, this looks like it's going to be a disaster. Mm -hmm. This Sounds like it. I described on the way here. So uh, I had to do 45. So the kid gets up and does his time and they're like, know him, but they they're so they're just like kind of jawing back and forth with him. They're not really giving him much, but you know, he holds his own. But then again, it's his, he knows these people. I would imagine he works for his father's company and he's a good kid. Nice kid. Very nice. And, um, he brings up the middle. Who's a friend of mine from long Island, John Ziegler. And he's funny. He's a funny guy, but they're not giving him, he's like arguing with that, arguing with them, but like (laughs) they're heckling him and he's trying to turn it into funny, but it's like, that's where they stop. They're not giving him anything off of that. And then I go up and I'm just getting like nothing from them. And they like, it's not new material. It's like jokes that I've done on TV and stuff. Yeah. Nothing. And uh, there's one guy who's heckling and laughing at himself, heckling me. Oh, it's just awkward silence with every joke where there's supposed. The thing that screws you up the most is there's a rhythm to your set. Yeah, it's like joke, and then there's a laugh, and then there's a joke, and there's a laugh. But if there's no laugh, it throws the rhythm off, and it's like you're used to that kind of rhythm in your head. So, uh, that's happening and it's happening and it's happening and it keeps going and going. And finally one time at some point during the set, after one thing bombed, I go, yep, just trying to do my time here. And I keep going and going, nothing, uh, maybe some heckling, nothing, nothing. Finally, a guy gets out of his seat and, uh, he starts walking towards the stage and I go, Cause I was joking about them being in the mob, but I don't know. They might've actually been connected to them. Like up here in that, in those yeah, areas, it sounds like it's a, like, that's, they could have been very well connected. Like, I, I don't know. And that's not why they weren't laughing. They were just not laughing at anything, but I'm sure that probably didn't make things better if they were actually a part of organized crime. They don't find it to be amusing. So, um, they, he, he's walking towards the stage and he gets to the stage and he goes, that's it. that's it it. it's over and i go all right thank you good night and then i i got off because i was like i don't want to be here anyway i don't want to be doing this like this is a nightmare did you do the full 45 or did he cut you off no he cut me off like at 30 but i still had suffered uh, i had suffered for 30 Mm -hmm. before he approached stage and goes that's enough that's good that's it Uh, and i was like good night and then i i got off and um they were very, you know, the people who hired me were very nice. The kid who hosted was very cool, paid me, got me a ride back, everything. So um, I was, you know, they they were good, the people. But it's just like, I realized later that these types of guys, why I do so badly and why everybody does badly with these types of guys is because they they think of laughter as as vulnerability, they think it as they think laughter as a sign of weakness. I really think that's what it is. It's like, how is it possible that a whole room? It's like, oh, they view giving laughing at another man is like giving power somehow. Like crying or, or something. Like I told yeah, you, no, no yeah, laughing, yeah. no laughing. Yeah, it's something <laughs> like that where it's like too much vulnerability and they don't want to give anybody that power. And and um uh, you know, I don't know. So that, but that was like, I remember thinking after that, I'm like, this is the worst I've bombed in a long time. Wow. Awkwardly bombed. And I'm like 20 years in and I've seen a lot of stuff and whatever, but it's like awkwardly bombing and just continuing to awkwardly bomb for 30 minutes. And the ending was just, the ending was just perfect where a guy just walks towards, I don't, I'm not sure what he's coming up for. He just walks towards the stage and goes, that's good. That's it. 
That's it. I'd immediately oh, be thinking perfect. this is like my like Mark David Chapman, John Lennon moment. Like I'm going to get shot point blank here. <laughs> I was like, this might get, uh, I, I was, I, you know, it took me back at first that he was approaching the stage, but then he started just going like this. I was like, now nah, I'm, I'm happy to get out of here. That was, uh, what are you? Okay. So what, I mean, it was just, I mean, bad. I mean, really bad. I had two really bad shows during the pandemic. Both were the second show on a Saturday, both times. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and um, Appleton, Wisconsin. Great, great clubs, just bad. These, are particular, these shows in particular were rough. So both of them, like, I don't know, 10 or 12 people in the crowd. I'm headlining. Nobody's having fun, myself included. I bailed. I did like 35. What are your thoughts on bailing if it's a small crowd, nobody's having fun, and they're not going to have fun? You still think you got to commit to your time, or you think there's some freedom in bailing when they want to leave? I don't want to be up here. Why drag this out for 12, 15 more minutes? Right, right. I understand it, but what I try to do, first of all, if I'm contracted to do the time, I got to do, I, I focus on doing the time. Mm-hmm. I focus on it. And uh, because it's like, it's not about whether they're having fun or you're having fun. Now it's about the contracted time. But if, if, if during the contracted time, the owner or somebody in power goes, you don't have to do it. Like we can end yeah. this, like whatever, somehow gets you that message. I'm happy to get off. Yeah. But I, I'm trying to honor the contracted time. Yeah, no, I get that. I, and I ran over to the uh, both room managers. And I was like, I'm sorry. And they were like, no, do it. Don't even worry about it. Because, you know, yeah. 12 yeah. people. It's it blows my mind that they like weren't even trying to have fun. Right. Like, I don't even know if I got a couple laughs in the 35 minutes I was up there. I just just said the words and. Thanks where it's like, what are you here for? Exactly. What the fuck what are, are you, here, you for? here for? Number one. And number two, even as a crowd, sometimes like you have to be responsible for your own fun. Now I'm an entertainer and I, I'll work. I'm going to work very hard to bring you in and to, and, 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 and to entertain and to make you laugh. But at some point you have to be responsible for your own fun and your own happiness. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do that for you. So you have to meet me halfway. You have to bring something to the table kind of a situation yeah no absolutely but there's there's like these in between where it's like i'll go up in the in the i'll find it tough i'll find it difficult and uh and and then it's a question of something switches in my mind from experience now where it's like i used to get mad at them i used to grit my teeth and just do my jokes but i don't do that anymore what what i try to do is I try to stay within myself, stay in the pocket, and then just keep coming and keep working yeah. them in, keep working them in, keep working them in. And there's all kinds of different situations in that, you know what I mean? Because it's like you can, as a, as a comic, you, you know, we're tempted to abandon our material and just go into the crowd and do crowd work. And sometimes it's what the, that's what, you know, if you what have they want crowd who wants to hijack the show, I've had that, I've had a crowd and then somebody try to, make the show about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Want you to address them and they want the show to be about them. But instead of that, you just like keep them at a distance and then you just keep, you keep your material, keep doing you and working them into your thing instead of abandoning what you're doing and making it about this one person or these different groups of drunk people. You know what I mean? Cause that's what they're trying to hide. I didn't realize it at the time when I was younger in comedy, but now I've been on the road and I understand it. It's like, they're trying to hijack the show, which is a nefarious thing to do. So to prevent that, you recognize that. And the easy thing is to go into the crowd in those situations. But instead of that, you stay, stay in the pocket and keep, working them in and the worst situation is when you have some drunk people and then you have a crowd that's kind of like not really giving it to you they're yep. there they're quiet but they're not on your side so it's like you're trying to win them over and then you have this drunk moron trying to hijack it those are that's a tough situation to be in because yeah the, the the instinct there the easy way out is to go to the drunk moron and let and just do a penalty kill just kill your time but the right thing to do it's to stay in the pocket, neutralize the drunk person, and then just keep trying to work the other people into what you're doing instead of abandoning what you're doing and just giving it to them. Um, do you like doing crowd work? Yeah, I, I, I like it. I like it, but um, I want to do it on my own terms. Yeah, exactly. I, don't want I like hate it. Doing it. 
I was never a fan. And I'm not afraid that it won't go well because I, I trust myself to be funny off the cuff and handle a situation. I just don't like it. Right. Like, I talk, you don't, we all go home. It's as simple as that. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I understand that. There's something to be said for that. But in the moment, I, you know, if, if something fun happens in the moment, then that's cool because that's like a moment that you all share that will never happen again. You all saw something or witnessed something or had a moment together. That's cool. But I hate like uh, if somebody's being drunk and chatty, I'm like, uh, what are you drinking? How much you've been drinking? What time you start drinking? And then like taking it away from the show. You know what I mean? Right. Right. That's right. They do hijack the show that way. The worst thing I got to say is and I've had this happen a few times to me is uh, there's people sitting in the front. And, uh, there, there, there's a, there's, it's, it's, you're doing your set, I'm doing my set and they're, they're saying stuff under their breath that I can hear in between the jokes. Uh, they're just saying their own stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do that. I do that. I do that. And it's like, they're subtly trying to make the show about them and they're trying to do it in a way that that's, they're not calling attention to themselves. And it's, it's an awkward moment there because you have to, I've done this on shows and it's, it's, it's awkward, but you have to go, Hey, you have to stop. You have to stop what you're doing. And they go, what am I doing? What am I doing? It's like, you know what you're doing? You're saying stuff to me and it, it, I, like, I can't, this is not all I off can't the concentrate. Like, I have my act. Like I know where I'm going and stuff and I'm a professional, but like you're willfully trying to throw me off. Mm -hmm. You're willfully trying to get me to fit and make it about yourself. Like, Stop doing that. Stop it. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a real like disciplinary moment there that that it's and, and then, like I said, like if the crowd's on your side, it's much easier to do that. Oh, but God. Yeah. First of all, it's very tough because the crowd's not hearing what they're doing. The crowd just goes, oh, what's wrong with this guy? It and goes, then if you attack them, the back of the room doesn't know. So you look like an asshole coming at somebody. Right. Yep. right. And, and it, again, it's much better if the crowd's already on your side and you're already killing with them, then they're on your side. But if they're like still going, I don't know, is this guy funny? Was this a good decision to come here? If they're still trying to figure it out and then you're dealing with this person who's saying stuff in between your jokes and then you have to discipline them, it puts everybody else on edge. They're going, wow, this wasn't the fun time I expected. Yeah, then there's a weird tense in the room. Back. Oh, yep. It's very tough that way, you know. But I do you think um, you think crowds are like drunker now after the pandemic? You think people are going out to party because I've seen a handful. I did a four o'clock show at the Helium in Indianapolis back in March and the four o'clock show were hammered. I mean, they were wasted like it was a late show. Wow. Uh, that might have been a just a, a fluke. Uh, yeah, fluke, because um, what I find is that most of them are. Uh, they're very, they're more, much more appreciative. Yeah. Now I, I would say that just coming back, I feel them to be appreciative. I feel that way too. And a lot of crowds have been uh, very awesome. There's been very few duds in the bunch because I think right. people are excited to be back at it all, all, all the way around. Right. Except for those two shows. Yeah, I, I just don't want to make it sound like these are the, the worst case scenarios, you know, the drunk person. Oh God. Yeah. And they, but most shows like, it's like when the other side of it is when you're vibing with the crowd and uh, they're getting the joke exactly how you wrote it and how you intended it. And you can feel their energy coming. I've had recently experiences where it's like, I've, and, and maybe it's because of the year layoff, but it's like you're just hitting on all cylinders and vibe and they're feeling it oh, and responding the exact way you had imagined it in your head when you wrote it. And it's just like, it's like a drug. Dude, it's there's like, no better feeling in the entire world. Feeling. There's no better feeling in the entire world. Right. Than when, like you just said, when they're you feel the energy, they're vibing and reacting perfectly to the exact way you want it. Right. But there's something to be said for being in a bad situation or a situation that's not ideal where they're not getting you and you're not connecting to them. And instead of like doing your jokes just like a robot or lashing out at them or just dedicating yourself to crowd work, there's a there's something to be said for staying in the pocket deciding to have fun yourself uh-huh like i'm gonna have fun like Which, i know this is funny i'm gonna have fun with it so by me having fun and trying to work them in they're going to have fun we just by watching me have fun with it sometimes we forget to have fun though because we're at work yes. it yes. is very easy 
to put yourself on autopilot and just go through the motions. But when you're having fun and you're actually taking it in in the moment yourself, it's the best thing in the entire world. But it's so easy to forget to have fun. That's true. And I would say I would say that like you 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 actually said you actually said it going on autopilot is a tempting thing to do, but it's the wrong thing to do. Mm hmm. It's yep. the wrong thing to do if you want to get better. It's tempting because you're like, fuck these people. Yep. I'll just go on autopilot. Fuck it. I'll do my time. I'll do my contracted time. Fuck these people. That's the instinct. But it's the wrong thing to do if you're trying to grow. That's true. That's very true. If you're tr- trying to grow and really develop all your right. skills as a comic. Right. How's the rest of your calendar looking this year? Um, You know, I never had stuff booked a year out. Like, it, it always comes, though. Mm-hmm. So it's, it always comes. It always comes. And you're uh, you're local soon. You said Royersford. Uh, yeah, I'm doing the show. I don't know when this comes out, but this, this will be out next Wednesday. Five days. Okay, it's already it'll be already done then. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, uh, the show is with, the show is. I mean, it, when this comes out, it it's with Ari Shafir, Mark Normand, uh, Dina Hashem, and uh, and uh, Gary Beter. Oh, oh, no, that's an awesome oh, lineup. Like, I know all oh. of them to hang out that's an awesome lineup and stuff so i think one of them sold out and uh, the other one will probably be sold out oh very cool that's an awesome lineup well dude thank you for being here man i hope we cross paths soon uh it's been a when 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 was cleveland two years ago three years ago probably uh it was before the pandemic yeah before the pandemic so three years so but that was a great time that was that was man so dude thank you for doing this man i love just shooting the shit and uh getting people's backstory and that was awesome man thank you very much You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.